Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. Happy Saturday morning to you wherever and however you may be watching and listening to me today. Super excited that football is back. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show wherever and however you may be watching and listening again. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is where you can like and follow me on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe to the home of the Snake Sports Talk Show. That is the Spotlight Sports Network channel. Subscribe, like, and hit the bell button for all of the latest news, notifications, and also shows that you could keep up on on the network. Follow us on Spotify as well. We've got podcast episodes that we launch out after live streams. You guys could check that out. And also, Check out all of the merchandises and everything there on the SpotlightSportsNetwork.com website. What's going on, Red Sports? Thank you so much for joining. I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. Listen, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I, I'm packed. I am packed in an hour um, here on this show. And I do apologize for a lot of people. I had to start at least an hour uh, an hour later. Obviously. Alarms didn't end up going on going off on time, but we're here. We got a lot to talk about. We've got football. We've got hockey. We've got baseball. We got so much to talk about here on a jam-packed hour. Um, also, the return of Jake's Prime predictions for this up-and-coming season is here. I will have that here at least in the middle of the hour. You guys do not want to end up missing that. I've got a lot to talk about here in this one, and I got some interesting picks for you guys uh, for this week one NFL season. So let's go ahead and dig on in. So let me shift to this. So Thursday night, we had the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. Two parts to this segment. I'm going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, does Patrick Mahomes just look exactly like himself from last year. Boy, doesn't he just look efficient. Man. Um, no, unfortunately, there's no game today. Um, but there is hockey. There is a bunch of other um there's a bunch of other games going on. Hockey, NBA. I know that there are some playoff games. But um, but going into that Thursday night game, Kansas City looked a little slow. And I kind of anticipate that because to be honest, this is the type of season where there is no preseason involved. There were no OTAs. And this is kind of something that is going to be a challenge for all NFL teams coming into this new season. But they looked pretty good. They looked healthy. Lots and lots of different play schemes, uh, different options. I thought Kansas City did really, really well that Thursday night. And here's what's interesting. And I talked about this with a colleague of mine on the post game on Thursday. Kansas City, the one thing that you that you could point out, the, and the reason they gave Patrick Mahomes that much money, look at what he's done. Look at how impactful that he is in this organization. His efficiency, man, I saw it all Thursday night. He was very efficient, and he kind of transitioned his game. He's not exactly what you would call, quote-unquote, the gunslinger-type quarterback in the league, he transitioned to where he was very efficient, he was making better throws, and he utilized everybody on the field. He utilized everyone. And I thought that was what was the most interesting, but yet the most exciting thing. So I thought Kansas City looked great. And here's the other part. Not only just Patrick Mahomes, who got his money's worth, Travis Kelsey checked in. He got a touchdown reception. He's another guy that got paid. Tyreek Hill, he got a touchdown reception. He got paid. And then you also have on the defensive side with Chris Jones, Frank uh, Frank Clark, and a bunch of others there on Kansas City's defensive front line that were all over Deshaun Watson. They were all over the Houston Texans. Kansas City specifically shows you why Andy Reid not only just working this offense, but this team as a whole all thrives under Patrick Mahomes. They do. That's why most majority of some of the players, they love to play for him. And I even spoke about this. 
that it's not only just the big-time star players like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill that are checking in. Sammy Watkins that Thursday night actually was really good. He played a real good role. He got some receptions, and he also got some yardages after the catch. Then there are other guys, Robinson, um, Nicole Hartman, all these wide receivers checking in, and they have a really good depth. They have a really good depth. It's built specifically for Patrick Mahomes to where he doesn't truly have just one guy he throws to. He's got several, and that's what makes him a dangerous quarterback in this league. But when you watch Thursday night and how efficient he was on the field, he had plenty of time to throw. He didn't even need to run majority of the time. He didn't even have to run out of the pocket, run for yards, none of that. He only did that whenever he sensed danger, when the line, the defense broke through it. That was the only time. But the rest of the way, he had plenty of time in the pocket, had plenty of time to throw, and he was efficient. By the way, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie running back from uh, LSU, that kid is a sleeper. He's a sleeper pick. And I kind of sensed it coming. You have Kansas City who was coming off of Kareem Hunt at one point. That one was a crushing blow to their backfield. But the second he comes into an Andy Reid system, this is where it gets interesting. Because Hilaire watching him not only could just run, but he's also a guy that runs after a catch. And he's very efficient at it. That's kind of something that fits Kansas City's repertoire. So the second they ended up picking him, and the fact that he dropped that low in the draft is one that will tell you. Kansas City was the one team that paid attention. Lots of teams during that draft paid attention to a lot of these players, seen that if they were still available, they were going to take them because they know there's something special in these kids, and he he played really, really good. Congratulations to him with his first touchdown, uh, his first ever NFL touchdown. Man, it was a great night. Um, and Kansas City, they'll show you too. Defending champions, they, they're a team not to mess with, but they are on target for a lot of teams. They're all on everybody's radar. That's usually what happens after Super Bowl wins with teams. They're always on target. They're always the one that's targeted. And this is where Kansas City's road to the Super Bowl may not be easy, but I think it's going to be a fun one. All right, so let me now shift to the other side of the field and talk a little bit more about the Houston Texans. Because in that Thursday night game, Deshaun Watson, you already knew, um, he had problems. He had so many problems. And this is one that I can say over and over again about Houston as a whole. And I've said this before episodes um, episodes ago about Houston and the problems that they're coming across. Okay. The, the Texans, they already show you exactly where their season is going to be and what the headliners will be by the end of the year. Okay. Bill O'Brien is clearly in the hot seat, not for the coaching, but he's clearly in the hot seat for the general managing position. This is why that I've said to Houston that they need to hire a more capable, smarter general manager in their front office in order to make this work. Now, again, regardless if DeAndre Hopkins was still there, you don't have a healthy enough offensive line that makes guys like Watson efficient. Uh, listen, Patrick Mahomes only got sacked once in that game. But never again did he get touched. He may have gotten rushed, but nobody touched him. Kansas City was smart enough to protect their franchise quarterback. But Deshaun Watson was sacked four times. And I guarantee you, too, he probably collected a bunch of tackles. But that's because... You already know with Houston and their offensive line, it's atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious. And they have done literally nothing 
to produce and at least ensure protection and support for a guy like Deshaun Watson. And that's why Houston is going to be in the position that they are. This is a team that's going to lose a ton of football games. And they're going to lose a ton of fo- football games to teams um, that have superior defenses, that know how to bust through the line. And they're going to lose a lot of those games. They may luck out and they may end up beating teams like within their division, Jacksonville, or even if they luck out, like if they played the Jets or they played any of the other teams. But this is a team, the second they play teams that are above 500, this is not going to be this is not going to be the best season for the Texans. And listen, I've said this again, Houston, you seriously have a problem. You've got a baseball team who are now exposed because of the cheating scandals and everything else. And now look at the production and the efficiency they have. They don't play the same, do they? It's not easy to, to um it's not easy to recognize a pitch anymore, is it? That's why baseball's tough. It's meant to be that way. It's like life. Life throws you curveballs, but you got to find ways to adjust. How about the Rockets? Okay, Rockets created small ball. They said, oh, we don't need Clint Capella. We got Russell Westbrook. We got James Harden. But then in the end of the day, you're in the series against the Lakers who have Anthony Davis and LeBron James who are going to cause you problems, especially Anthony Davis. Lakers had more rebounds than the Rockets did. But that's because Houston is so stuck on this unique style of small ball, iso play, ball-centric. It only gets you so far until one team who has a big man at their center is going to push you around. And finally, the Texans. You hype, you overhype so much because you have Deshaun Watson. You overpaid him. You overpay him all this money because you're not insuring him an offensive line. So he's, I said this to my colleagues off the air. He's living on retirement money because the second Deshaun Watson, and this is how I'm going to level out the season, he's probably going to end up collecting over 200 tackles. And he's probably going to get sacked 50 times, and it's only going to be a matter of time if during the middle, if not the beginning of the season, he suffers an injury. And an injury that's going to cost Bill O'Brien's job. Because you'd never address the issue. Lots of people were shocked about DeAndre Hopkins' trade. I get it. He's the best wide receiver. But here's the thing. I even said this about the Jets. The Jets can't be an efficient offensive team if you if you don't have an offensive line to protect Sam Darnold. He won't have time in the pocket to throw because he's out there running for his life. And he's out there trying to make efficient plays. He's not a running quarterback. He's very much a pocket-present type quarterback and needs a lot of protection and he needs a lot of support. Deshaun Watson, he's lucky enough, he could still use his legs, but how long will that last you until you finally figure it out, you finally provide him a healthy offensive line, and give him time to throw in the pocket? Houston, I already know, this is going to be a season where it's going to be a complete dud. This is why, you know, regardless of receiver, here's the thing, Will Fuller, was the only wide receiver that was targeted all Thursday night. But regardless of it, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, even if they didn't get as many catches, there's a reason why. Watson won't have enough time to throw because pockets are collapsing every time. That's what's going to be the story of Houston. And by the way, I mean, the next two weeks, you've got Baltimore and you've got Pittsburgh, both of which, here's what they have in common. They have a strong, healthy, um, and dangerous defensive front line to the linebacking core, and they've got a real good defensive secondary play. 
Pittsburgh, they've got Mika Fitzpatrick and a couple of others. Baltimore, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey in the backfield. I mean, you're facing against two top-tier defenses. And the only thing that they're going to do is they're going to push Deshaun Watson around. So until Houston actually gets it and understands it, that's where I have them with their season. That's just kind of where I have Houston up to this point. Uh, Coming up next, you know, this NBA playoffs. By the way, congratulations to the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to be interesting. Because I'll tell you this. Toronto played real good, but then eventually it burnt out. And then you have Milwaukee and a lot of speculation between the team and with Giannis. And I'm going to tell you this. I already know Giannis is probably not going to stay in Milwaukee. Not going to stay in Milwaukee. And he's going to go to somewhere where he can win a championship. He has plenty of support and I think can thrive. And to be honest, if they don't keep Giannis, I think Milwaukee's going to relocate. I'll explain a little bit more upon that and the rest of the NBA playoffs. Plus, in the middle of the hour, I have my prime predictions for the NFL season week one. You don't want to end up missing that on the Snake Sports Talk Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you are just tuning in here to the Snake Sports Talk Show, I appreciate you guys coming in. Welcome, welcome. Happy Saturday to all of you guys. Man, I'm so excited for being here today and even being here this whole weekend. Um, Just a reminder to everybody, um, 
<clears throat> I've actually got some vacation plans planned out. Um, man, I can't wait to start vacation soon. Um, but it's going to be a fun time. To, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, your mind just after everything that's just been kind of going through, it just feels a little bit congested and it feels a little bit like clouded. And that was to the point, and I always do this all the time. I try to find different, uh, I try to find different alternatives. I try to find different things to really declutter, clear the smoke in the air, and any way that I can to really kind of <clears throat> take those types of breaks, takes takes those time off. Um, so I'm happy enough to be starting that up. Um, I'll explain a little bit more probably toward the late toward the later end of the show. Um, so this is where I want to end up getting into. So the NBA playoffs has been looking really, really good. And one team in particular that I even talked about as well was the Miami Heat. And Jimmy Butler, I think, has really, really shown. And it's interesting. Uh, Stephen A. Smith said something just before the playoffs had started that Jimmy Butler is not a legitimate leader. I think he's pretty much putting his money where his mouth is. Because at this point, watching Jimmy Butler and how he works this Miami offense I mean, he's really, really impactful. And it's the reason why that they made it into the Eastern Conference Final. I didn't have Miami in there. I'm telling you, I didn't have Miami in the Eastern Conference. I had Boston, but Miami's just showing you exactly what they're capable of. This is a tough, grit team. As a team, young kids, young talent, and Jimmy Butler's making it happen he's really motivating this team. And again, I, and I think now as I kind of come to terms and come to grips, I mean, Eric, I mean, there, th these coaches, Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee, nice team, but they don't look legitimate enough to win an NBA title, let alone make it to the Eastern conference final. Nick nurse. I like him as a coach. I do. And I think Toronto kind of outdid themselves they lucked out and that's where it pretty much showed it but when you look at brad stevens and eric spolstra eric spolstra has been in this position before it just had to take him six years to finally figure it all out and now miami's here and miami's now in the eastern conference and then you have brad stevens in boston expresses a lot of real good defensive play and guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are really making it happen. Now, we have yet to see how the Western Conference is going to pan out because, look, look, let's be honest, this whole small ball thing that the Houston Rockets are displaying is not going to end up lasting so long. Not against LeBron, not against Anthony Davis. It's going to die out soon, and I see the Lakers making it into the Western Conference final. Um, and the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. Of course, my colleague wants to convince me that, you know, the Denver Nuggets, they might luck out and they may actually make it into the Western Conference final. I'd be surprised at that. But I still do have uh, the Clippers as a favorite to make it into the Western Conference final. And then it'll be a whole L.A. showdown from there. Um, because I watched the I watched the postgame uh, from Kawhi Leonard, and you could already tell by the sound of his voice and what he looked like in that postgame. You know, and a lot of people are like, what's going on? It, 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 is that a different style of play? What, what's going on? And he's just, I'm just here to win a basketball game. Plain and simple. And not a lot of people kind of speak a little highly of Kawhi like that. But you could tell the determination in his eyes. You could tell the frustration. But at the same time, he's not a guy that's easily shook up. He's not. This is why that I've said, don't count the Clippers out that easily. There's a reason why that they chased for Kawhi Leonard. There's a reason why they traded up to get Paul George. There's a reason why they stacked their roster the way that they did with a really, really good bench. Because it is a time where the Clippers want to be the team that belongs into the category as NBA champions. They want to be included in that. And Kawhi is the only catalyst that makes that happen. And that's the one thing. If Kawhi Leonard gets himself into the Western Conference Final, 
And let's just say he makes it into the NBA Finals. I mean, he is a top five, probably most impactful NBA player in this league. I mean, look, LeBron is impactful in the Lakers, but he's very impactful no matter where he goes. They just got to have the right support system around him. Um, Giannis, I mean, he's a, he's a big-time player, but here's the thing, though. He doesn't have any of that support. You can't trust Chris Middleton at least 90% of the time. And then you also, uh, I mean, look at it this way. You got Jimmy Butler, who I think is a top 10, but man, he's making his case known. The second he came out of a Philadelphia system, and let's be honest, he didn't want to leave Philly. He even said that himself. He didn't want to leave Philly. The only reason he made that decision was because the Sixers have no leadership in their locker room. And it's one of the reasons why him, Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, they all left out the door. And the Sixers are in the position that they are in now because they're looking for their next head coach. They are now trying to figure out this whole thing with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Now I said, I don't think this is, I don't think this works. And Elton Brand came out and said they're not even trading either one. So then what are you going to do from there? How are you going to get shooters? How are you going to now get efficient players that make this roster work? How is that going to happen? But when you look at some of these other players and for some of these other teams, the ones that are included as of right now, it clearly shows you where their eyes are focused on because they're all chasing for the same thing. They're chasing for championships. Kawhi is a type of player that chases for championships. LeBron is a guy that has won championships and still chases for more. Jimmy Butler, I'll be honest now, he's a guy that his mindset has gone to to chasing for championships. And then you have Boston. And Boston doesn't even have a particular player. They've got all sorts of, it's a whole roster full of players. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Taco Fall. They got all sorts of real good players. And what's interesting is, is Boston displays to you old school basketball where it all comes from the coaching aspect. And that's where Brad Stevens is the, is the catalyst behind it. You all thought that because Kyrie Irving, you know, you all thought that Kyrie Irving was going to be the guy that impacted Boston. I don't think so. Boston already made up their minds that they didn't need Kyrie. They were willing to move off him, and that's why he's out there in, in Brooklyn. And a lot of people have been telling me Brooklyn is not the team to play around with by next year. But I'll be the judge of that. I'll be the judge of that from, you know, <laughs> by the time we start up next season, Ke- Kevin Durant will be healthy. Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie will be healthy. Hopefully Kyrie will be healthy, but it's going to be interesting. And now having Steve Nash in the coaching staff for Brooklyn, hopefully this will change Kyrie Irving's style of play. And I think how he kind of approaches, I think how he approaches on the offensive ends, maybe defensively as well, but how he really approaches in the game. And I think that's something that Steve Nash is willing to work with him with that. All right, so time now for the hot press. All right, so Major League Baseball is awaiting a postseason plan. And basically what they're doing is uh, we know we're still in season. Players and teams are traveling up to this point, but Major League Baseball put up a proposal for the postseason that they are going to plan on playing in a bubble. Uh, They are awaiting the union's approvals for right now, but here's what they've said. So um, in March, there was an agreement between the parties. MLB was given authority to stage a postseason that mimics the bubbles of the NBA and NHL where they have them in Edmonton and Toronto and the NBA, you have it up in Orlando. So basically how they're trying to construct this is that they are looking at all different 
ballparks for Major League Baseball to make this happen. Um, and the World Series, if the plan does come up right, the World Series would start on October 20th. And where it's going to be, it's going to be in the new Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, home of the Texas Rangers. That is where the World Series will be hosted. And so I think this will be interesting. But finally, Major League Baseball now has constructed themselves a bubble because, listen, the, the, the beginning of the season was kind of rough. There were some forks in the road because you did have a lot of players who tested positive for COVID-19, and you did have a lot of players who, um, you know, missed out on a bunch of games. And then, of course, games were pushed back because of it. So I think this is interesting. I think this is also a real good idea and a real good plan um, for the league as a whole. They now have a place where they can play at. We're awaiting to see what the unions say on it, but I think if it, I think this will get approved. And when it does, I think it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the baseball season really pans out. But I do have a lot of real good teams from there. Um, but it will be interesting. It will. It, it'll. It, it'll be something that I think will be kind of curious to see how this play how this plays out but i think major league baseball will be fine from here um so the so the tennessee titans they had some bad news that they ended up finding out so their first round pick isaiah wilson um was reportedly arrested friday night for a dui in davidson county sheriff's office um and the titans they ended up announcing and saying we are aware of the situation this is not conduct that is uh, indicative of the character of our football team and we are working through details on how to proceed uh, uh, look you're already a few days before the, se the season starts and you're already having issues like this come around come on grow up let's come on you've got an nfl season that you like people have fans have waited long enough we were already dealing with a lot of times of uncertainties and all they're wanting is football to come back. And now it's finally here. You had the Thursday night game, and now you got a stacked Sunday games that I can't wait to break down here in uh, a couple minutes. But uh, this is kind of ridiculous. And this is the kind of thing that is just like, come on, get a grip. And especially with new rookies, first rounders, I mean, there's a lot on the table. Pressures are on. But come on, you, you got to be smarter than this. You got to be smarter than this. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the Toronto Raptors, after their loss against the, uh, the Boston Celtics and the Celtics moving on to the Eastern Conference Final, Pascal Siakam did not hold his comments back when he ended up getting asked exactly about um, what happened during the game and how everything kind of escalated. And he kind of put, he pinned the blame up on himself and to the point where, uh, you know, there were a couple of mistakes that were made that felt like they were his, and that was where it was kind of difficult to really um, elaborate on it. But he understands exactly what this will mean for the team going into next year, how they're going to end up approaching next season, and hoping that they can rebound themselves after this, you know, after this series loss. And so, listen, Toronto, I think, is a real good team. But it's going to be interesting. Look, Fred Van Vliet is a free agent now at the end of this year. Um, there are a couple of holes that they got to they got to fill up. I like Nick Nurse, and I do like his coaching method. I think it's interesting for Toronto. I think it just fits Toronto as a whole. But listen, this is not the same team compared to the championship team when they had Kawhi Leonard. But it did bring a lot of players up. Um, I don't think that this road for Toronto by next season is going to be an easy one. I know that they are definitely going to learn from this uh, series loss against Boston, but it's something that I think they need to pick up where they left off, and I'm sure they're probably going to come back with something different for next year. But only time will tell for them. But we'll see. But we'll see what next year brings for uh, for the Toronto Raptors. But I don't think they're going to be a terrible team. I think they're still going to maintain themselves. I, I just don't think they're going to have the big time juice that they had from a season ago to this season. 
Um, so it's going to be a lot of speculations. It's going to be a lot of questions. And we'll see exactly how Toronto really pans, pans themselves out for next year. All right, folks. So that was your hot press. All righty, folks. Well, excuse me there. I can tell you that I've been excited to do this all day. I've been excited to do this all day. And I've been excited for the season to come out. Finally, the NFL has arrived. And it's one of my favorite segments on this show that I do every football season. And I've been doing this now for the past two years. And I, I, I like this is fun. This is fun for me. I mean, last year was actually pretty interesting. I was able to nail up a couple of picks. There were probably two or three weeks that I had duds, but I'm excited on this one. So what it's called is it's called Jake's Prime Predictions. And all that these are, it takes every game from every week. And I weigh out exactly all of the spreads, the favorites. And I also weigh out every single opinion on all teams. And this is where it, it gets interesting from here. Makes a little sense. So uh, Thursday night, so here's what's funny. I had a prime prediction for Thursday night's game between Kansas City and Houston. And the score that Thursday night was 34-20 uh, Kansas City. You know what's interesting? I was so close by a few points. I had Kansas City winning that game but I had a 35-23 prediction and it ended up at 34-20. I was that close on the prediction. Um, so I'm excited to do this one. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is time now for Jake's Prime Predictions. Let's go! All right, so the NFL kicks off here. We've got the Chargers at the Bengals in Cincinnati. And this is a game that we know is going to be a lot of speculation to rookie quarterback Joe Burrow. He's going to be coming in. He's already got the, the, nod, the nod as the starter, and there's a lot of pressure to be held from there. But the Chargers did upgrade their defense, so I'm going with the Chargers minus three on the point spread from here. Listen, a lot of people just continuously lowball the, the, the LA Chargers for some reason, and I don't get it because I get the same responses every time. It's the quarterback situation. What's the quarterback deal? Listen, Tyrod Taylor coming into this season, okay, as a starter, the guy, um, the quarterback, seriously, 61% completion, and he's a guy that throws less picks. He's not mistake prone than what we saw the Chargers last year with Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers threw for a lot of picks. But this Chargers defense definitely upgraded itself, especially in the defensive secondary. Now, I know it's a crushing blow that Derwin James is hurt and he's out for the season. But Casey Hayward, Mike Davis, uh, Desmond King, and uh, Chris Harris. This is a team that is really going to give Joe Burrow a lot of problems. But besides that, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, they're living up to their contract Um to their contract pays. And this is where it's going to be a lot of problems for Cincinnati to contain. I think Joe Burrow is kind of walking into the lion's den from here. And I think he's going to be eaten up. And I, I, there's just going to be a lot of pressures because there were no preseasons, no OTAs. So a lot of pressures really weighing in. I think it's still going to be a pretty good game, but I'm going to take the chargers at minus three. And my final scores from here is going to be 27, 20, Chargers win this game on the road, and I think it's going to be a really good start for the Chargers in this game. But it's going to be a, a it's it's going to be a tough roadblock for Cincinnati in the first four weeks of their season. All right, so the Seahawks at the Falcons. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks on the road at minus one and a half here. I like the point spread, and I do like the thought that you have on here. Listen, Russell Wilson is finally getting the credit that he deserves. A lot of people don't think too highly of it, but he's really worked himself to where he is Seattle's franchise. This is a quarterback who last year was putting up MVP caliper numbers, and he was making it happen with... An above uh, a below average offensive line 
And he still had some weapons like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and a lot of teams were surprised at that, especially teams like San Francisco and so many in their own division, but even in the NFC as a whole. And the Falcons, I'll be honest with you, last th- th- just this offseason, they lost a ton of players. They lost a lot of defensive secondary guys. They lost a lot of um, defensive frontline guys. Now they're trying to reload and they're trying to get better. But I'll be honest with you, trying to contain Russell Wilson and his style of play is not going to be easy for a team like the Falcons. I think they're going to drop this game here at home and Seattle's going to take the win on the road. One and a half is where they have it. So I have Seattle winning this game 27-23. Take the points. I think this is definitely something that, you know, this the Seattle Seahawks, they're going to pick up where they left off last year. And this is going to be a brand new season. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And by the way, not all of the game is going to is going to really be on Russell Wilson, but it's also going to be on the new shape defense. And I think it'll be interesting for Seattle in this game. All right, so the New York Jets are on the road to Buffalo, taking on the Buffalo Bills. And this is one that, again, I just feel like this is a Jets curse. It's not looking good for them. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills at minus six and a half here. And listen, Buffalo, they upgraded a lot of uh, defensive players. They also upgraded some offense. They got Stephon Diggs. They finally have a offensive threat at the wide receiver position who can go deep downfield and be open for a guy like Josh Allen who's ready to sling it. Um, And the Jets, this is unfortunate for them because now Denzel Mims is hurt, and a couple players opted out, including C.J. Mosley. Jamal Adams is no longer there. This is kind of a heartbreak for the Jets here in, in this season. And now they did do one thing right. They did upgrade their offensive line with Makai Becton in the draft, and hoping that it's going to provide some protection for Sam Darnold. I do believe Sam Darnold is an efficient quarterback, but you got to give him a healthy offensive line. And by the way, this is a Bills team that has been all over, you know, uh, uh, opposing offenses, and not to mention has been shutting down the passing game with their secondaries of Davis White um, and a lot of other really good defensive secondaries. Now you got Josh Norman, and I don't think he's going to be a big impactful player, but I think he's going to serve as a veteran role presence to really make this defense work themselves. So take Buffalo minus six and a half. I think this game is going to be a 10 point lead. 30, 20 is where I'm going with the Buffalo bills, cold weather, but also the time at home for the Buffalo bills. It's going to be an exciting year for them. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how this game pans out. But I do see Buffalo taking in this game, 30-20. All right, so I think one of my colleagues, Malguli, I think he is seeing this right now. And so this is where it's really going to put a smile on his face. So you got the Bears at the Lions. Um, they're on the road. There are a lot of speculations to the Chicago Bears. But I do have speculations about the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to take the underdog here in this one. I'm going to take Chicago at plus three in this game against Detroit. Listen, Detroit, there is a lot of speculations for them as far as how their offensive line is going to be shaped up. Is it going to be enough to protect Matthew Stafford? But at the same time, are are they going to have a healthy run game? This is one that they addressed in the draft. They got DeAndre Swift. They ended up just recently signing veteran running back Adrian Peterson to a deal. I think he's there as a veteran presence, and they still do have Kyrion Johnson. But this is where the run game has got to be healthy, and this is going to be difficult for the Detroit Lions. But I do like their wide receiver core with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. I think it's good. It's still going to be good enough to where they're going to score points, but at the end of the day, look at what Chicago had already upgraded. They got last year's sack leader, uh, Robert Quinn in their linebacking core with him and Khalil Mack. They ended up upgrading their defensive front line and hopefully Akeem, Akeem Hicks is healthy and their defensive secondaries can shut down the passing game. That is what's going to be the huge determining factor in a game like this. So I'm taking the underdog Chicago Bears at plus three, and I think they're going to end up winning this game close. 24-21 is the score I'm going to get. Chicago wins it on the road. I just think that Mitch Trubisky is going to have maybe average, above average game, 
but it's all going to depend on how the offense, their front line is going to protect Trubisky and how he's going to be efficient enough on the passing game. All right, so the Green Bay Packers are on the road to Minnesota taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And listen, the Packers, I'm not sure how that this is going to pan out for them during this season. It's going to be interesting, but I think this, this is a classic NFC North matchup between the two, but I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings at home, minus two and a half. Listen, the Vikings at home are a very interesting team. They're a totally different team with Kirk Cousins and with a lot of their offensive weapons. They upgraded themselves after losing Stefan Diggs. They got a first-round pick, and they used it on Justin Jefferson. I think he's a guy that is going to come into this offense. He's really going to make some plays happen. He won't be like a massive producer right off the bat, but he's going to serve as a real good weapon for Kirk Cousins to be efficient. So... I take Minnesota in that minus two and a half here in this game at home. I just think that Minnesota, like they did lose a lot of defensive core pieces, but they did address a few of those holes in the draft. So they are getting younger in their defensive positioning. But this is the thing. My speculation is going to be how Green Bay is going to be efficient this year, because I don't know if anybody is paying attention to this, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers, just doesn't seem like he looks like himself. I mean, the the um, the quarterback passer rating has lowered down. Um, he's led the league now in throwaways. So I don't know how Green Bay is going to maintain their efficiency this season. But I think in a game like this with Minnesota at home, it's going to be difficult. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings to win 28-24 against Green Bay. I still do think both teams are going to... Um, showcase their offensive capabilities, but I think Minnesota is going to have the last laugh here in this game. 28-24, Vikings win it at home. All right, so, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people have been picking the underdog Miami Dolphins in this game, but listen, let me just give you a little bit of, let me give you a little bit of a check, Okay. You are facing against a team like New England, and they're not easy to beat at home in Foxborough. And I understand what everybody's saying. You know, you got Tua, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, you got a real good Miami team that's got a lot of potential in them. I think they're going to be a very interesting team. Don't get me wrong. But to me, I'm going to take New England at minus six and a half because the reason of that is this is a team that has had a really good record at home. It is hard to beat them in Foxborough because of the not just the cold weather, but just the fact that when you look at how their structure is and Bill Belichick, he's a type of guy that does not like to lose at home. And this is one that uh, is always the worst taste in his mouth. So he's going to assure that. I don't think Cam Newton is going to be I don't think he's going to be very, very productive as a lot of people think he is, but I think he's going to make some good throws. I think he's going to be very interesting to watch um, in a brand new uniform with New England, but I'll take the six and a half points. New England at home, 27-20. I think Miami is still going to string up some good offensive plays. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, listen, he's a, he's a type of quarterback that is real good at the beginning of the season, but I think this is going to be a grinder. Brian Flores against Bill Belichick. This will be fun. This will be interesting. <clears throat> and I can't wait to see exactly how both these teams are going to look for this new year. All right. To me personally, I would like to think that this is a no-brainer here at this one. But I am taking the Philadelphia Eagles at minus six against the Washington football team. Look, this is a team... You know, they're, they're at home. They're in rebuild mode. Ron Rivera, this is his first year coaching with this team. He's got a lot of work to do, but they did get a lot of really good defensive pieces, especially Chase Young and so many others on the defensive front line. So it'll be interesting to see how Ron Rivera works this out. But here's the thing. Carson Wentz has a chip on his shoulder, and he is going to ride that all year long. Because people lowballed him, especially in the NFL's top 100. People lowballed him last year. The fact that he took lawn chairs and you know to the to the playoffs, and they made it at nine and seven, beating a Dallas team that just was average and went eight and eight with a couple of players that were healthy. 
And this is where Philadelphia is really going to come out strong. But I really do like their secondary play. The fact that they address that during the offseason, they get Darius Slay from Detroit, and they still maintain guys like Jalen Mills. Um, they got Cor uh, Courtney Roby. Um, this will be interesting to see how Philadelphia pans this out. But I, they did address of a lot of wide receivers. Now, the unfortunate part is, is Jalen Rigor's hurt. So, but I, I just think that a couple of guys that are going to step up, JJ Arcega Whiteside, and a couple others that are going to help Carson Wentz move the football downfield. I think it'll be interesting to see, but I think Philadelphia will win this game, take the minus six, 28 20. Philadelphia wins on the road. Washington right now is in a clear rebuild mode. So this is just the first game to experiment how this is all going to work out. And I think it'll be interesting down the stretch of the season. All right. So you got those Raiders on the road against the Carolina Panthers with a brand new head coach, brand new quarterback and a brand new system. And listen, I... I look at the Raiders right now and how they performed last year. It didn't look great. It, it kind of slowed down at that point from the end of last year, but we did see some real good pieces uh, produce. But I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers at home as the underdogs at plus three here in this game. You all may call me crazy because, look, the, the Raiders did address a bunch of issues. They addressed the linebacking core. They addressed the defensive front line. But they also did address a little bit of the offense as well. But here's the thing. There is too much speculation between Derek Carr and John Gruden that I just don't know how this is going to work out for the Raiders throughout this entire season, especially up to this point now um, with this new season. So a lot of it has been speculated around the two. I just don't think right now the Raiders in this game are going to come out with their A game. But I still think they're going to put up exactly the points to keep them in the ball game, but it will be interesting to see what the Raiders look like now in a new home in Vegas in Allegiant stadium looks nice. Can't wait for the season to start up, but I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers, take the underdog points plus threes, 27, 24 is a reasonable score for the Carolina Panthers. It's going to be an interesting offensive um, playbook scheme for Matt rule and Teddy Bridgewater and company. So, but I'm excited to see how Carolina's offense really rolls with this. All right. So remember how I talked about no brainer for the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, this is a definite no brainer for the Colts against the Jaguars on the road. Minus eight. I mean, come on. Jacksonville is already in a, in a mode where they're just rebuilding. They traded a bunch of pieces away. Saxonville is no more here in this organization. I don't know what the plan is. I think the plan is they're trying to tank to get their top tier quarterback. But even if you do, their offensive line is not strong enough. And this is what's going to be difficult for the ja for the Jaguars at home. But I will say some positive positive things about the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. They're coming into this season where their their offensive line is the healthiest in the NFL. Chris Ballard picked up three sleeper picks: Michael Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor, and Jacob Eason. I think this is going to be interesting of a team to watch for this season stretch. I know a lot of people have speculations about Philip Rivers and Philip Rivers was a complete dud in last year because of the amount of mistakes that he's thrown. But you have to think about this. I'm excited to see how Philip Rivers plays in Indianapolis with a healthier offensive line versus what the Chargers had provided. So maybe this will give him plenty of time to throw in the pocket and to find guys like T.Y. Hilton and company and I think it'll be interesting, too, to see how this opens up for the run game. But I'm going to take the Colts here. Minus 8, 35-17 is what I have on the road. Colts are going to come up red hot, and this is a team I have favored for the AFC South. All right, so this is an AFC North matchup that I think we all can agree on, to be honest, that this is going to be pressure for guys like Baker Mayfield and company in Cleveland, but you're on the road in Baltimore that Ravens, they don't like to lose at home. This is the Ravens flock, and this is one that they're going to come out strong. I'm taking the minus eight here against the Browns. Listen, they upgraded so many pieces. It's like they don't even have a weak spot 
in their game when it comes to offense or defense. They got a healthy offensive line. They've got some real good um, run games. They picked up J.K. Dobbins in the draft, but most of all, I mean, they addressed their linebacking issue with getting Patrick Queen in the draft. But this is a team that just continuously stacks and gets loaded for this year. And Lamar Jackson has a lot to prove here from where he he left off last year. And I think this is the first step into the season that we're going to see Lamar Jackson be very efficient. I mean, look, second year, second year in the NFL, he popped. He had an MVP caliber season and he had some real good numbers, both running and passing. I mean, not bad, not bad statistics for a running back. So watching how this team plays, especially against Cleveland, look, Cleveland has a lot to prove. They're on the hot seat and you've got a better head coach at Kevin Stefanski. I don't think this is going to be as easy of a game as everybody thinks it is, but I do take Baltimore minus eight at home, 30 to 21. It's reasonable enough. Cleveland's going to end up scoring some points but I'm still taking Baltimore here in this one because it is tough to beat them at home. They love being up at home. Unfortunately, with no fans in the stands, this is going to be interesting to see how Baltimore plays, but I think they'll be strong enough to win the game. All right, so this is the big-time game headliner, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, the moment we've all been waiting for here um, this year. But listen... I like Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be an interesting game back and forth, but I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints at three and a half uh, in the minus play, and I think New Orleans is going to end up winning this at home. Look, Tampa Bay, this is a brand new team. I think too many people are overhyping them. I still do believe they're going to be a really good football team. Don't get me wrong, but this is going to be one that's not going to be easy. You're playing it uh, on the road in New Orleans where the Saints, they have so many chips on their shoulders that they're trying to make this work. And Drew Brees, um, he's going to pick up where he left off from last year. And they addressed their problem where they got the center in the draft that's going to provide extra protection for a guy like Drew Brees. And, of course, they ended up getting Emmanuel Sanders as a secondary wide receiver to Michael Thomas. So this is going to be interesting to watch from here on out. Now, I know the speculations too earlier were about uh, Alvin Kamara and what's going to happen with him. But I think they're going to push all of that aside and New Orleans is going to end up running this game. Uh, but I think this is going to be fun back and forth. We all get what we deserve twice a year now in the NFC South. But this is one that I think is full of grinders. I've said this about Carolina and I've also said this about um, about the Atlanta Falcons as well. Now, I know the Falcons are probably going to drop their game. But I have New Orleans here, minus three and a half, 28-24. It's a reasonable score. Both offenses are going to show up, but I think New Orleans is going to get the last laugh here in this game. So listen, folks, I love the new look of the Arizona Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins there with Kyler Murray, but I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers minus seven here in this game. Look, you, 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 look, you, you can't lowball this San Francisco team. This defense continuously gets better. Robert Sell is not going anywhere. He has really led this team um, all the way to the Super Bowl. We know it's unfortunate that they lost it. A lot of speculations from there. Now, the only difference is is that they their wide receiver cores they only are trusting in their rookie Brandon Ayuk. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Jimmy Garoppolo really opens up, but you got George Kittle who's ready to go for this next season. Raheem Mostert really making a name for himself in the run game. San Francisco's got some interesting pieces and Kyle Shanahan, as I've said before, he's an offensive genius. He's a guy that's going to make this happen, but San Francisco is not an easy team to beat, especially with that type of defense. I mean, that caliper of a defense is hard to really kind of score off of. But I, I think this is going to be an exciting game all the way around. We're going to see Kyler Murray throw the ball more often than not. We're going to see him be athletic, get himself out of positions. But I'm taking San Francisco minus 7. 30 to 23 is going to be my final score. San Francisco wins it at home, and it's all going to be thanks to that uh, ridiculous defense. All right. Let me just break this down here in this final game of the Sunday before going into Monday night's game. Um, 
listen, for any Dallas Cowboys fans that are currently watching this live stream, yeah, this is not going to be an easy one for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to take the LA Rams plus three at home in SoFi Stadium. It's going to be interesting to watch to see how this pans out. But listen, Dallas, the only reason why that I don't think they'll end up winning this game and uh, I, I, I don't. I can't believe what pro football focus right now are hyping so much of the Dallas Cowboys. Seriously. And do I have to say more? It's not because of just the offense. Look at the defense around them. Their secondary play. Their secondary play. It's outside of Byron Jones, who's now in Miami. There's not anybody that I can trust in the defensive secondaries. That's going to cause a lot of problems for them through the, through the stretch. And this is a team that they overhype. This is a team that I think is going to be average. They're going to go 8-8 eight and eight this season. Um, but <clears throat> in their first game against the LA Rams, listen, don't lowball Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Jared Goff is going to be just fine. He has offensive weapons. He's got Greg Reynolds. He's got Cooper Cup. And he's also got Robert Woods. He's going to make it efficient. He's going to make some offensive plays happen. Not to mention, too, I'd like to see how this rookie Cam Akers really runs the football because... That was the Rams issue from last year and the season before that. Once Todd Gurley got hurt and he got figured out on the on the offensive ends and they started stopping the run games. But Cam Akers, I'm hearing some good things about him and I think he's going to be very interesting running the football. But I am taking the LA Rams plus three at home to win 27-24 on a Sunday night game. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I think LA is going to run away with it. That'll be the first LA win in SoFi Stadium, and I can't wait to see exactly how the stadium runs. All right, so I got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in New York against the Giants. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers at minus five and a half. Listen, I'm not doing this just because you know, of their offense having Big Ben back and how they're going to end up playing throughout this game. But that defense, though, that defense is something interesting. Devin Bush, TJ um, TJ Watt, and Mika Fitzpatrick, these are some really good defensive caliber players. <clears throat> I'd like to see how Pittsburgh's offense favors. I don't think it's going to be the same offense, but if Big Ben can make this happen throughout the season, because a lot of people are overhyping Pittsburgh, I'm the same way when it comes to Dallas. It's ridiculous. But I do think Pittsburgh's going to win some of their games, um, depending on the situations. But New York, I'd like to see how Joe Judge really pans out. Uh, he's coming into an offense with new quarterback Daniel Jones, who's now going to be in his second year. Uh, in the league, and I think he's going to come out and emerge as a really good franchise quarterback. Saquon Barkley is going to be healthy. The wide receiving core is going to be interesting, but I don't think at home they're going to make this happen. I just think Pittsburgh's going to put them in their places defensively, and it's it's going to be a, t a, a difficult time. But I'm not saying the Giants won't be better during the stretch, but this is going to be one game I don't see them really taking away. So I'll go with Pittsburgh here, 27-21, minus five and a half. I think it's reasonable. I think it's something that I would go for. And, hey, week one stuff. You never know what can happen. So I think Pittsburgh's going to win this one, 27-21. All right, and finally, to end this up, because a lot of people keep telling me about Tennessee and Denver and this whole thing with Von Miller, I understand they're losing him for the season and the ankle injury. That's a crushing blow, but it's not stopping me from taking the uh, the Denver Broncos at plus one and a half at home. Look, don't forget, it is like New England. It's tough to win in mile high, especially with that elevation. And Tennessee, this is my speculation with them. Ryan Tannehill with his brand new contract. I'd like to see how efficient that he could be of the football. If he gets to a point where he is pressurized, there doesn't seem to be anything going his way. This is not going to be this is not going to be an easy game <clears throat> for uh for Ryan Tannehill. I think this defense in in Denver, they're going to be all over him. You still do have Bradley Chubb, mind you. They did get AJ Bouye 
in the safety position, and they got a couple of real good, interesting pieces in the defense. So I think Denver is going to be interesting to watch, but it is going to be a close enough game at one and a half. I like it. I'll swallow the points. 24-23 is my final score here. Um, in this game, I think Denver's going to luck it out and they're going to win it at home. Drew Locke's going to be interesting to watch, but I'd like to see how the run game favors for Denver. But I think Vic Fangio, he's going to come out with all defensive. Um, I think he's going to come out with defensive flair. And I think this is where Denver's really going to be at their best. So those are my prime predictions for week one. So glad to have this segment back, and I'm happy. I am happy for this season. I'm excited that we do have football back. So as a recap, I'm taking the Chargers at minus three, Seattle at minus one and a half, Buffalo minus six and a half, Chicago plus three is the underdog, uh, Minnesota minus two and a half, New England minus six and a half, my, uh, Philadelphia minus six and a half, uh, six, um, Carolina plus three, Indianapolis and Baltimore at minus eight, uh, New Orleans at my, uh, minus three and a half, San Francisco minus seven, Rams at plus three, Pittsburgh at minus five and a half, and Denver at plus one and a half. So I think this is going to be really, really good. I am really excited about my picks and my predictions. I think this is going to be good, and I can't wait for what the season is going to bring from here. But Hope every one of you guys have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining in on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Like me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I post up on social media daily. Also, subscribe to the home of the Snake Sports Talk Show. That is the Spotlight Sports Network. Subscribe. Hit the bell button. Hit the like button and get notifications for more of me on the show. Also, follow on the Spotify um, app for all of the podcast episodes we post up. For those that can't make the live streams, no worries. We got you covered. Um, definitely check that out. And also, if you want merchandises and you also want fun-filled articles, go to the spotlightsportsnetwork.com. Purchase your orders of uh, merchandising, including the Snake Sports talk show, talk show merchandise. And also check out some cool articles from myself and from other colleagues here on the network. That's going to do it for me here today. I can't wait to be back on tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hope you guys have a great Saturday morning. Enjoy yourselves. And hey, it's NFL season, baby. Let's see how this season pans out. I'm excited for it. Take care, you guys. Have a great weekend and hope to see you Sunday. Yeah.